Well, it was uh, just over 20 years ago <clears throat> in the country of India. Y'all have to bear with me this morning. I uh, uh, woke up and I was some kind of allergies or something taking effect. But it was just over 20 years ago in India. And there were some towns in one part of the country that were overrun by a plague of monkeys. And these monkeys were so numerous, they would get into people's homes. They were known to bite people in some cases. And then they would, you know, go through their kitchen and and run off with food items. And so it was such a problem, but then the people decided that they would turn to a very traditional method in order to deal with the monkeys. And so they would take jars and they would anchor them to the ground or to trees. And they would put something down in those jars that would lure and entice those monkeys. And so typically it was food. That's what the monkeys seemed to be all about. But specifically, something sweet. Apparently monkeys have quite the sweet tooth. And so they would take something like a piece of hard candy and they would put it down in the bottom of that jar. And so the monkeys were enticed to the jars... They were lured to the jars because of what they desired, because of their own nature. And we're going to come back to the monkeys a bit later. But in Galatians chapter 5, Paul is writing about what it means to be at war with the flesh. Just as those monkeys were at war with their own nature, Paul reminds us that we too are at war with our nature. And so I begin in Galatians 5 verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions 
and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And so right there, Paul gives us those lists. He first gives us the list of what is common to us. He says, this is what's going on with the flesh. You know, this is what, if, if, we're, if we're living by the flesh, and flesh is just a term for our human nature, church family. If we're just living by our human nature and doing the stuff that our human nature would tell us to do, it's saying, this is the stuff that you're engaged in. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty good list there of the kind of things that we engage in, that we're at war with, that we're fighting against ourselves to not be doing, not be engaging in. I remember a, a, a preacher where Stacy and I worshipped years ago, and I was where you are. Not in Hohenwald, Tennessee necessarily, but I was occupying space in one of the pews on Sunday morning. And I know I've quoted this a time or two before, but it's something that just always bears repeating. When he said, I believe that the battle between good and evil goes straight through the middle of every one of us each and every day. And that's exactly what he's talking about. He's saying that we are at war. It is a constant war with the flesh, with our nature. If we're left to our own devices, I had a we had a benevolence call this week, and it was in the the afternoon after after Kay had left the office, so I took the call, and the guy was very appreciative, and we were able to get them a room for the night, and we were able to get them a voucher to a local store so they could get some food, and he was just especially thankful and appreciative. But when people say that, I try to take the time to say, hey, this isn't just us doing this. We're doing this in the name of Jesus Christ. Letting him know, man, you call me out of the blue and I'm not sitting in this church office. You just call me up and say, hey, I need food. And I don't have the love of Jesus in my heart. I'm going to say, okay, well, good luck with that. Or why are you calling me? Let's all think about that for a second. If I don't have the love of Christ in my heart, if God's Spirit is not dwelling in me, I'm not sure how I'd respond to a phone call or a request request like that. I might say, my food's my food, get your own. I don't know. Thankfully, I've not had to live with that dilemma for the last few decades. Because as a child of God, I have compassion for someone who is in a tight spot. I know what it's like myself to be in a tight spot. And so thankfully, your contribution dollars at work were able to provide for somebody. But I try to make it clear 
It's not me doing this. It's the love of Christ Jesus doing it. I'm just the vessel that he's doing it through at this moment for you. And so here we are. We've got this list of all these things that Paul says, boy, if you're left to your own devices, this is some of the stuff you might find yourself engaging in. Now for some of us, you might say, okay, no, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. That's not a problem. But at some point on that list, you're say, okay, yeah, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that one too. Yeah, I have a problem with those. And then he gets to that other part. And he says, but if you're walking in step with the Spirit, and if you were here on Wednesday nights this summer, we recited this, didn't we? over and over again and our children took uh, different weeks looking at different parts of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. I still say patience but it's, it's now in, the, in the, this translation is forbearance. I never hear people saying boy, Brother Greg, uh, man, pray for me. I wish I could be more forbearing. Uh, people still say patient, right? And so, love, joy, peace, <coughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And there again, there's that another list. Positive attributes. If you're walking in step with the Spirit, if you're living by the Spirit, these are the things that are flowing from you. And some of those might be fairly easy for you. If you're like me, some of them are hard. Some of them are nearly impossible without God's help. And so every day, what do we do? We get out of bed and the feet hit the floor. And I've gotten in that habit of when I wake up and before I even roll over to put my feet on the floor, I say, God, help me. Because I cannot do it without you. God help me. Because I cannot do it without you. Monday's my day off. I've still got stuff I need to do. But what I need to do more than anything is live by the Spirit and not live by the flesh. Whether I work inside a church building or not, as a child of God... I have to be aware at all times of what I'm at war with. And so I am fighting my own nature. You are fighting your own nature. And if you're not aware of it, become aware of it. Think hard about it. Pray about that. Because we are all at battle with something. Some people struggle with doing some of the things that Paul named. Some people struggle with being judgmental toward other people. Just as much as sin. And so regardless of what the sin is, we have to be aware of it. We have to be in tune with the Spirit. And so we move to Mark chapter 14. Now, this scene is taking place. <clears throat> this scene is taking place in uh, at the Mount of Olives and at the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And so this is the night that Jesus is to be arrested. And so verse 32 of Mark 14, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Remembering the th- returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And so, for most of us, this is not a passage that is anything new. We've heard this, we've read this over and over again and again. Jesus is in, you know, one of his darkest moments right here, one of his darkest hours. And what does he say to them? He says, you wait here and you keep watch. But then he tells them, pray. Of all the things he could tell them to pray about, what does he tell them, church? Pray that you will not fall into temptation. I think he's still telling us that today. He's saying, hey, Hohenwald Church of Christ, wake up. Because we can be spiritually asleep, can't we? At a moment where he says, wake up and keep watch. Be aware, be alert. That we can kind of be, oh, man, I really need a nap. And spiritually, that's a dangerous place to be. When he finally comes back that third time, you see he's, he's like, enough! With an exclamation point, enough! Let's go! It's happening now. Telling us, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Be spiritually alert. Be spiritually awake. Remember those monkeys? 
those monkeys that would stick their hand in the jar because they were seeing something that was tempting, something that was enticing. Turns out there was nothing fancy inside those jars. There wasn't some kind of trap inside. It wasn't like a mouse trap where you, you go for the bait and something slings over and catches you. It wasn't like traps that people can set out in the woods to catch certain animals. No, nothing sophisticated about these jars. It was just a jar with some hard candy or some kind of food item down in the bottom of it. But you see, when the monkey would put their open hand in the jar, you know, it was the arm was small enough to get in the jar. But then when they're holding the item that they want so badly, then it was just simply that their clenched fist with the item in it would no longer fit through the hole. All the monkey has to do to get their hand out of the jar is to just let go of whatever it is that was tempting them. Whatever it is that was enticing them. They just had to let go and pull their stupid hand out of the jar. And you could say, well, like, did they walk away? No, remember the jar is tethered. It's anchored somehow. Attached to a tree, attached to the ground. And the monkey just refuses to let go. How many of us are enticed by something and we're just not willing to let go. All we have to do is let go and then walk away. But then we refuse. And we stubbornly say, Uh-uh, I'm not going to let go. I want this. I want this really bad. And how senseless it is the monkey can't enjoy the food item. And then they get caught all because they wouldn't let go and walk away. And church family, we have to make sure that that's not us. That's the warning to us this morning. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. In the New Living Translation, I like it particularly how it says it, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Now, we're going to stop right there on verse 12. You might think that the meat of this section comes later, although it's highlighted parts, but let's not look past these simple words. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Because church people... It's in those moments that we say, you know what, I am so thankful that I no longer have to deal with this in my life. And I've been there before. I've said, wow, I have not had to deal with fill in the blank. I haven't, that, that's not been a problem now. Six months, a year? No, man, it's more like two years. Man, that is awesome. I'm so glad that is behind me. 
And then what happens? Because I think it's behind me, then it rears its ugly head. And so whatever it is that entices you, whatever it is that causes you to put your hand in the jar, just when you think that you have got that behind you, it's no longer a problem, absolutely not. Keep praying about what it is that has tempted you in the past. Those things that have you at war with your flesh, with your human nature. Don't ever stop praying about those things. Don't ever become spiritually asleep about that which you need to be alert for. And then verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Amen, church? He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Church family, that's good news. It's good news that we are never tempted beyond what we can endure or what we can bear. The bad news is that we have no one to blame for our sin but ourselves. Let me say that again. My sin, your sin, it is 100% on us every time. Our sins are our choices. This right here makes it abundantly clear that we will, there will never be a temptation greater than what we can walk away from. We just have to let go of it, pull our hand out of the jar, and walk away. And He will show us a way out so that we can endure the temptation. So the bad news is, it's on us. The good news is, He loves us enough that He will let us endure any temptation that is before us, no matter how enticing it is. Church family, there is more to be said about the battle with the flesh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver the, the excess of this, or part two, tonight at six o'clock. And so, if, if this has been meaningful to you, I invite you back at six o'clock tonight, and we'll look at a couple of scriptures uh, from the New Testament, and we'll, I'll complete some of the thoughts on this. But we are at war every day, and we have to remember that it is a constant war. The good news is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. The good news is the sins that we do commit, the sins that we have got before us, the sins that are weighing on us, we have the ability, the opportunity, every day as children of God, to repent of those sins. Because just as we were reminded a little while ago when we gathered around this table for Holy Communion, that Jesus Christ shed His blood for every sin of every human in all of humanity. 
And that is good news. But we bear the responsibility for that sin. And that we have to be aware of it. And that we have to be willing and spiritually awake enough to lay it down and walk away when God gives us a way out. If you are here this morning and you are not yet a child of God, we give you the opportunity to change that once and for all. In just a moment, Adam's going to lead us in an invitation song. And you have the opportunity to come forward this morning, answer one simple question. Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, our resurrected Savior? And when you say yes to that, then we allow you to participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism. And you begin today your spiritual walk. If you're with us today and there's something that's on your mind, weighing on your heart, and you would appreciate the prayers of this body, we offer the invitation for that reason as well. Let's stand together and sing this song.